Oh, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all. Looking really good. Let's play a little word association game. And if I say something, you've got to say the first thing, shout it out, the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Or it might be a feeling. You ready? Monkey. Yeah, that's what I thought. Someone said tree this morning. I thought banana. Um, elephant. I oh, see, I thought circus. Um, otter. Rat. What'd you say? Ooh. Actually, should ask Granddad sometime, Bruce, about rats. He's got a great story to tell. Yuck. Right, just um, a little bit on rats as we start off this morning. And uh, you may have read in Word for Today a wee while ago the research that was done by Dr. Marion Diamond on, on ageing and ageing well. And uh, she found that um, deliberately induced challenges are required to keep our brains healthy and functioning. It's not the best news in the world, um, but on the other hand it kind of is because it's, it's not wasted what you're going through. So they did this, these bunch of experiments, and in one experiment they got this, this group of rats over, over here, and uh, this group, they just gave them easily accessible food. And then this group of rats over here, they put all the a lot of obstacles between where they were and the, getting to their food. And then they retested the rats later on, and these dudes over here were much more proficient at problem solving than the comfortable rats. In fact, they found with the comfortable rats, their brains were going downhill quite rapidly. And then they, they did some more experiments and they put 12 rats together, a group of them over here, put them through the challenges, and they did a whole lot better than the poor little rat over here who had to do it all by himself. And, and they found also that um, when they took older rats, like 600 days or older, and that's equal to 60 human years, that those dudes, um, as they went through the the tough challenges and everything, they developed better and they lived longer, lived another 200 days. It's getting to be a pretty old rat. And then they introduced a little bit of love. And uh, so they took these rats and after they'd done the experiments, they would just stroke them. I don't know how you stroke a rat. Um, but anyway, stroke the rat and pet it. And do you, you, you <laughs> with gloves. You sweet old rat, you, you're just, you know, so amazing and spoken to their lives and caught out the gold in them and all of that, like we do here. And, um, and then those rats lived on an, uh, at 904 days. They were still alive and they were continuing to develop. Pretty amazing. So her, her research, her conclusion was that for us as well, we need to, de to develop mental resilience and to age well, we need challenges, we need love, and we need good relationships. And, uh, and it's been said that the highest levels of growth or maturity, if you want to call it that, can only be reached by going through adversity. In fact, they say that there are things in us that will never be brought out, good things in us, that will never be brought out unless we go through some challenges in life. And so, you know, adversity doesn't automatically bring growth, though, or maturity, because it all depends on how you respond along the way. And if you're like me, sometimes you respond well, and sometimes you don't respond so well. But either way, we can fail forward and keep learning in that process. So 
James, in the, in the book there, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And of course, you all do that, don't you? As soon as, as, soon as there's a trial, that's what you do. You get really joyful. Yeah, good. Well, the, the, our pastors do, the front there. And, um, well, they could be, yeah, no, I won't say that. But anyway, James goes on to say that as we work through that stuff, it, it produces things in us that lead to this ultimate maturity, perfection, completeness. That's why we should be joyful, not about the trial, but about the end result. That makes it doable, doesn't it? Almost, at times. So, you know, in adversity, either we can hold up or fold up. Either we can bounce back or bum out. And we don't always know quite how we're gonna be in any particular situation, but anyway, these, um, these challenged rats, they could have told their stories in, in two different ways. The, these rats that had to go, they could have said, oh, it's not fair, all this hard stuff I have to go through. Why can't I just have an easy life? It's, no, I'm miserable, and these, these humans are really mean. Or they could have reframed their story and said, wow, those challenges were tough. Did you get that one right the first time? I failed it 10 times, but look at me now. I'm a smart rat. And we can reframe our stories. We can tell them two different ways, and, and uh, or maybe more than two different ways. But when we have God in the story, you might want to fix that. Um, more stuff happens than if God is not in the story. So I've entitled this message today, Rats, um, Reframing Adversity, Trials, and Storms. And uh, I was reading in Psalm 31 just recently, and you know, David wrote some amazing psalms where he just pours out this raw emotion. You know, God, you've abandoned me. I'm full of fear, this terror on every side, stuff like that. Where are you? But he always finishes by bringing God back into the picture, reframing his world in the light of God's goodness. And, uh, and so we're just going to touch a little bit on Psalm 31 as we go through today. So, Ever notice that there are trials and there are trials? There are storms and there are storms. And the storms come when you don't expect them to. Well, you know, the disciples who were in the boat with Jesus on their way across the lake, to the, across the Sea of Galilee, they weren't expecting any storms along the way, but suddenly this storm, this great storm, this tempest came up. And that word tempest, I looked it up, and the Greek word is seismos. It's kind of like uh, seismic activity. Oh, I think we know about that. And you think about it, this storm was full of seismic activity. It was agitating. It was shaking. It was scary. We know about the earth shaking. We know about things crumbling. We know about cracking. We know about liquefaction and all that kind of stuff. And we know what it is to feel afraid to feel panic. And these disciples, they were shaken to the core. And you know, um, Bob Gass, the writer of Word for Today, he talked in there somewhere about um, even believers can feel fear, can feel panic. Fear is just, you know, panic is fear to the power of 10 or something. And, uh, and so we can feel that. And, and he talks about how that in that place of panic, that fear corrodes our confidence in God's goodness. It unleashes these doubts. You're on the same page with me, you've been there. 
And then it creates this kind of spiritual amnesia and it wipes out our miracle memory. And I thought that, when I read that, I thought that is so true. You know, when you're going through a really tough time, it's really hard to remember all the things God, your history with God and all the things he did back there, all those wonderful testimonies. They're just gone. And, and all those scriptures that are so helpful, they're gone too. And you're all alone. This spiritual amnesia brought on by fear or panic in the midst of storms. And often in a seismos, you don't know which way is up. And years ago, because I would be uh, more sensible now, but years ago, my kids were teenagers. Round about then, we were at QE2. And I don't think Pete was there, so I don't know what kind of trip it was. And, uh, and I decided oh, I'd go on the Hydra slide too. That was my first mistake. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I was trying to stretch outside of boundaries. So down I go on this Hydra slide. Well, it, it, swish, swish this way, up way, that way, down, down into the bottom. And there's this turmoil of water and foam. And, and I have to keep my eyes closed because I can't open them in water. So I don't know which way is up anymore. And, uh, and I would like to keep breathing. And I'm just about to find my way up when this hand reaches down. <laughs> Here's the lifeguard. Pull me out of <laughs> Pull me out of this turbulence. I was very grateful, and I learned a lesson. Hydrocytes and me don't go together. But, you know, faith can be like that turmoil in a seismos. You know, which way up is my faith? Is it even there anymore? And uh, we can begin to question ourselves and question our relationship with God and we can question God. And, and then, we, then we look back on it when we finally get through and think, oh, you stupid thing, you didn't do that very well, did you? What a disappointment you are. And, uh, you know, you should have done better than that. Should have, oughta, better, all that stuff. When um, Pete's diagnosis was made back in uh, November of 2013, suddenly we found ourselves in a seismos, this life shaking, life-threatening storm, which we didn't know which way it was going to work out. And um, initially there was a shock, it's like this can't be happening to us. And then about half an hour later, around about that, because we were still in the, in the um, back room of the hospital there, and, uh, and I began to feel like this, it's almost a sense of awe that um, God was entrusting us with this trial. And, uh, and along with that, this, the, this expectation that God was going to reveal himself to us in amazing ways along the journey, and, and that I was going to have this great faith all the way. That would have been great. <laughs> um, but it didn't actually work out like that a lot of the time. And uh, as some of you will know, when you've faced life-threatening situations, or a diagnosis, and there's all these tests you've got to go through, and there's all these waiting to get test results and appointments, and, and then you get to the surgeon, and there's this list of complications, and then you go next time, and there's this list added to that list, and, and on and on it goes, and you just wonder which way is up, and where is this going to end, and then they talk about, well, in this scenario, life expectancy could be this, but if it's this, it could be this, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and it's, it is, it rattles you to the core in the midst of that, and and uh, it, things can get very dark and very scary in a seismos. Now, yours might be something completely different. It might be a broken relationship, a difficult marriage, a, a um, financial collapse, or 
there's a whole host of things that it could be, or your boyfriend's just dumped you and gone off with somebody else. But um, whatever that is, in the midst of that, your, your worries amplify, and they grow into these big, huge, hairy monsters that probably are, actually, because the demonic realm gets involved in, in all of that as well, if we allow it to. But in Psalm 31, 7 and 8, David says this, you have known my soul in adversities. And when I read that just recently, I reflected back on the previous, you know, oh God, you know, you saw what was in my soul. You saw the lack of faith. You saw the, the doubts. You saw the fears. You, you saw me in all that adversity. You knew. You knew. And you understood, because God's knowing is also understanding. He understands what we go through in our soul, because he knows we are soul as well as spirit. And then David goes on, and he says there, and have not shut me up in the hand of the enemy. You know, sometimes we can feel abandoned by God and shut up in the hand of the enemy. And sometimes we think we deserve to be shut up in the hand of the enemy because of where our thoughts have gone and our accusations against God. There's that picture up here, footprints in the sand. And many of you will have read this or have a copy of it or have it on your fridge or whatever. Just a, a beautiful um, dream this guy had. And he looked back over his life and he saw these two sets of footprints and then there was one set of footprints and, and he kind of looked at it and reflected on it and thought, hmm, when I was going through the toughest times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. God, why did you abandon me at those times? And in his dream, Father answered and said, no, that was when I picked you up and I carried you. Beautiful picture. And uh, so I, in my thinking, of thinking that through was, well, that's what I expected, that when it got too hard for me, Father would just bend down and pick me up when I asked him to, and he would carry me through, and, and it would be sweet, and I'd be peaceful and rest in his arms and, and just have all this amazing faith and trust and fear wouldn't get a look in and I'd never feel alone and all of that. Well, most of the time I journeyed okay, and sometimes I actually journeyed really well. But occasionally, I found myself in a very dark day. And uh, in those days, I could number, I need just more than one hand, but not, I don't need all of two hands. So it was six days, maybe seven, spread out over that year or so, that were really, really dark, that were really, really scary. That when I cried out to God, it wasn't even there. And because he wasn't there, I got very angry with him. Yes, I got angry with God. One of the pastors in the church got angry with God. And uh, it, it's all out of fear. You know at the end of the day, well, he is there, but you want to feel him. You want to feel his presence. And, you know, I've heard lots of amazing international speakers that say this very same thing, that they've had times in their lives when God has felt a million miles away. They've not felt his presence. That's why we need... More than feelings, but it's really tough. And to me, then, when I look back, my footprints in the sand picture look like this. Two sets of footprints walking along. Then this great big mess in the sand. Like a scuffle had taken place. And it had, because that was my tantrum. That was my patty. It was, where are you, God? You're leaving me alone in the midst of this. And um, so, yeah. 
not such a, a good picture. But then as I look back on this every now and again, God began to show me that the way he saw this and what the picking up was all about. And you know, that, that mess in the sand, that anger with God, that feeling of rejection, that abandonment, that lack of um, faith and all the rest of it, those were the things that he picked me up in the middle of and held me and loved me in spite of all that stuff. And then he had the tide of his grace come in, smooth over that mess in the sand, so nobody even knew it was there. You know, God chooses to, he says, I will remember your sin no more. He chooses. And so when he looks back on that time, he sees it a bit differently to when I look back and still, you know, at times see the scuffle. He sees his love for me and his, his grace covers our disgrace, our shame. You get some amazing revelations of grace when you muck up. In fact, that's the best time to get them. It's a pity, isn't it, that we've got to go there, but that's what it's about, our own humility and his amazingness. Even David, he said, do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I've called on you. He was struggling with this thing. Smith Wigglesworth, um, amazing revivalist, he said this, and I think it's coming up there. He said, there've been times I have been pressed through circumstances and it seemed as if a dozen railroad engines were going over me. What a description of a storm, a trial. But this is what he said, but I have found that the hardest things are just lifting places into the grace of God. Amazing, amazing. How we find grace in the middle of a storm. But wait, there's more. Not only do we need grace, we need some truth. Have you, any of you have been to the Great Wall of China, actually seen it, touched it, been on it? No one. I've, you have, Kerry. Awesome. I've been close in Beijing, but not quite there. And, um, you know, this wall was built to keep out the China's northern enemy, a barbaric uh, tribal people that would invade constantly. And so this wall was so high, you couldn't get over it. And it was so thick, you couldn't get round it. Some of you know the song. And, um, but in the first hundred years of this wall being there, China was invaded three times. Not once did the enemy climb over the wall. Not once did the enemy break through the wall. They simply bribed the gatekeeper who opened up the gate and they marched on through. And you know, our eyes, our ears, our mind is like the gatekeeper to our heart. And things come and they assail us, negative thoughts, um, all that kind of stuff. And they can come in times of trial like a battering ram, just batter and batter and batter against us, trying to break through. All it takes for them to get through is for us to turn the key, and turning the key is simply agreeing with one of those lies, and it opens the door for that lie to bring in a few friends and a few more friends. And suddenly there's an invasion going on 
in our mind. It's why the Bible says, guard your heart above all else. And even for David in Psalm 31 there, he says, for I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation where life has felt so desperate and miserable that all you can hear are voices that are almost like they're they're scheming against your life, trying to pull you down. And, and Dave went on and said, let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Do you know what? You are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And, and David knew that those lies had no right to invade him and to speak things over him like that. And sometimes we've got to wake up to the fact that the lies speaking to us have got no right, that we are still righteous. Danny Silk from Bethel said, the devil loves to come and coach you through your downward spiral and help you in your judgment against your loving father. Isn't that so true? And even David in the Psalms there, he admits that towards the end of the Psalm that he actually came into agreement with one of those lies. He, He said, for I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before your eyes. He agreed with that lie of abandonment just for a moment in his haste he admitted to it you know when you don't journey a a seismos so well um, it's easy to lose perspective and to lose truth and to think that because you failed you're a failure because you disappointed God it's the end of it for you there's you know your destiny is diminished or wiped out or you'll never be the same again or you're never this or you're never that and all that kind of stuff like like Peter after he'd betrayed Jesus three times I'm just going back fishing forget that destiny thing he's never going to want me now what what could be further from the truth and the fact that Peter became just such an awesome man of God when he was restored you know when you are disappointed in yourself, you stop dreaming. And that's when the devil's got you. When he's robbed your future from you. He's robbed God of your future as well. But God. The next picture is not on the screen. It's going to be in your heart and in your spirit in just a moment. David says this in Psalm 31, verses 19 and 20, is how getting towards the end of this this psalm, he said, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you, which you've prepared for those who trust in you. So he knew that goodness was there. How did he find it? You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. You shall keep them, that's us, secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. There's quite a bit of teaching just in behind this little bit alone. But let's just close our eyes for a moment. And uh, we're going to let God show us a picture of what it means for us to be in that secret place with Him. When David was talking about it, it was like the inner place of the temple, the holy of holies, where there was no natural light, where there was no candlelight, where the whole place was simply lit up by the glory of God. 
And there was no corner where you could go where you could find a shadow or a piece of darkness because that light of His glory, that warmth of His goodness and His love was all around, surrounding. The New Testament calls it the throne of grace where we can find help in time of need. You know, when we come into that secret place, into that place of intense love and total truth, then all that other stuff, all the lies fall away, all the accusations fall away, all the failure falls away because there again we're clothed in righteousness, we are accepted, we are loved, we are restored, we are redefined like Peter was redefined. No, Jesus never ever did say, tell him off about what he'd done. He just called him again. Come on, Peter, back into destiny. And God is calling some of you today back into destiny. Where you thought you'd failed, where you thought you were a failure, where you thought your faith is not strong enough, all of that, and God's calling you today in that secret place. We are restored in mind, in heart, in emotions. And it's not a one-off event. We need to come and keep on coming to be restored, to know that place. And David finishes the psalm, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Now, you may not have all the answers about your storm. But you know, when you have the understanding of the heart of Father, you don't need the answers about the storm. I want to pray for you now. So I'd like you to stand and I'm going to make some declarations over you as the band comes up or well, they're already there. Look at that. I have my eyes closed too. And these are powerful declarations and I want you to grab a hold of them as they go out there in the spirit realm. And if you can connect with them, there'll be a shift in the spirit around your own life and around some things that have happened around you. Reframing your journey, reframing that mistake, reframing that failure. And I'm going to be quite aggressive um, in the spirit as I speak this stuff out because I am challenging the very things that have challenged me and still do challenge me. So you grab a hold of these. So right now I pull down the thoughts, the lies, the judgments, the speculation, doubts, accusations and imaginations raised up against the knowledge of God, against the goodness of God. And I pull down the thoughts, the lies, the judgments, the speculations, the doubts, the accusations, the fears and imaginations that you have raised up against yourself, against your true identity in Christ. And instead I raise up in each mind the imaginations of God, the dreams of God, the purposes of God for your life. And I break agreements with the enemy that have caused a breach in the Holy Spirit's guarding 
of your heart and mind. And I close that breach now in the Spirit. I break off the lie that says you've disappointed God, that you are a disappointment to Him, that you'll never be good enough and that your destiny is permanently sabotaged. And I break off the lie that says Father would abandon us in the storm, in the valley, in the wilderness or in the fire. That is not there when life is the toughest. And I break off failure and shame condemnation and disgrace and I release success righteousness and amazing grace gifts of God that enable us to reign in life and I break the power of dream stopping disappointments of ask stopping disappointments and I declare that these people will dream again they will ask again and instead of their shame they will receive a double portion. Father, pour back into each person infinitely more than the devil has stolen from them or that they've given away. Let the lost years become a launching pad for future years. Reconnect people with their destiny. And I declare that our imperfect stories of navigating adversity, trials and storms will be reframed to become prophetic life messages that encourage and release and empower many other people. Prophetic life messages that reveal the grace and the goodness of your kingdom. And Father, I ask you to draw us into that secret place over and over, that secret place of your glory where our hearts and minds become filled with your heart and mind, that we would become the manifestation of your dreams in and to this world. Amen and amen. Amen. Mighty God.